dead. Dead. Hello, hello. Welcome to another episode of Craft Beer is Dead. I am one of your hosts, Bree the Pint Size Traveler, accompanied by Face Chris, as it's seen in a phone book, which no one's looked at in like 20 years. What's a phone book? It's a part of the internet that you can throw away. <laughs> so I hope everyone is having a lovely week so far. Uh, we are here with another spooky scary to hopefully ruin that lovely week for you. Yeah. So this uh, this episode will be run by Chris Face. Um, I actually don't even think I've heard of the person that you're about to talk about. So that's why before uh, when you first texted me the name, I did about two hours of research. So do you want me to run this one? or? Oh, it's fine either way. <laughs> um, I actually met the guy. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I hope just not. kidding. I am the guy. I don't want to meet some stinking man like that. <laughs> um, so you want to crack a beer open first, and then yeah, we'll get into the hot and heavy. Um, yeah. What'd you bring over? I brought over. So this is from Wild Leap. Um, it's orange, missing a few vowels, but <laughs> yeah, just I mean, they wanted to keep the O in there, I guess, just to be able to lead off. But orange, orange, <laughs> orange, double IPA. Uh, this bad bitch sits at 8.2%. Yow. Yow. Um, let me see. They always put a really funny quote or something on the back. Um, if you don't do wild things when you're young, you'll have nothing to smile about when you're old. That's fine. Aww. Usually, usually they put like a Sir Mix-a-Lot quote or something. So right here they've got one. <laughs> I just brought it up on their website. We've crafted inch to have a strong <laughs> citrus flavor, just like you unrhythmable fruit or unrhymable Oh my god! I can't even read unrhymable fruit. Get it? Because you yeah. can't rhyme with anything with orange. That's very funny. Or orange. Orange. Uh, and then it says, "Orange, you glad we didn't say banana." Sad too. Sorry. That's what it says. I did not say that. It sounds like something I yeah, would say. You definitely did. No, but they. Uh, this one's loaded with Sabro, HBC, four seventy two, um, Amarillo, Talus, and Cashmere. Literally has three of my favorite hops in it already. So yeah. I'm fucking stoked about that one. And it's funny because I've. As you were saying that, I was reading the back, and it says exactly that and ends with, orange, you glad we didn't say banana. And I'm Had really to. sorry that you sorry. <laughs> read that in my voice in your head. It was probably ruined everything for you. Uh, yeah, normal, but okay. <laughs> well, while you're pouring that one up, um, I'm on their website here. Again, we always try to give attention to their core brand stuff. They've got um, Local Gold, which is a blonde ale, Chance, which is their IPA, uh, Gratuity, which is a light beer, and then it looks like, I mean, we've seen them... Uh, Luckily, they always send you some cool stuff, which is awesome. Um, so we've always seen more of like their uh, double hazies, things like that. I think and we've only had their hazies, actually. Yeah, and honestly, like hands down, one of the best in the nation that I've I've had recently too. Just because, I mean, every one of their moms is making hazy IPAs, and yeah. a lot of them are amazing. But this one stand or these ones always stand out. Thank you. Yeah. No, they really do. I mean, they've been sending stuff for shit. I think almost even a year and a half. Um, they won. Best new brewery in the country by USA Today, I believe, like 2018 or 2019. Um, and like Chris said, we've had several of their, I think it's called Alpha Abstractions. Alpha Abstractions, Abstraction, yeah. Abstraction. I think that's we've had at least is. volume one and volume two. Oh, I've, I think I might have had like six. Oh, or are you something. cool? <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. All right. Well, that's no, it's actually evident. the last. 
two or three haven't even been from them sending it to me. They also started sending stuff to Charlie. So she was really cool and brought, um, I think, two down for Halloween. Oh, sweet. And uh, like I said, I mean, I don't think I've had a single one I haven't liked, let alone love. Like these truly are some of the best in the country. So if you guys can get your hands on it, I know uh, Tavor messes with them. Um, I don't think I've actually ever seen them in a bottle shop, though. Yeah, I think yeah, it's I, a I lot of exclusive. It's either um, trading or definitely, definitely have seen them on Tavor, though. Yeah, put them on your list for sure. Instead of just sitting here talking about it, I'm going to put some in my face. Oh, my God. <laughs> you know what that tastes like? Orange. Orange. <laughs> no, that's awesome. Cashmere, Sabro, and uh, Talus are like... Very quickly becoming some of my favorites for sure, as far as hot profile goes. And um, I mean, it's no, they so always kill it. Smooth. Forty so IBUs, smooth. man, keeping it light on the bitterness. I like it. Um, what is Talus? Yep. So recently was I think HBC six nine two. Oh, so it has a name. Yeah, we uh, they just named it. We actually um, we've got a um, double hazy in the tank right now that has the veterans blend in it. Yeah. And it's got that hop in oh, there really? too. And it really yeah. helps round out some stuff. It's a cool like floral pineapple-y. It's, it's got a whole lot going on for one hop. That's one of the first times I think I've uh, read it or seen it. So glad to know that it was just named. So how – this is like totally off everything we're going to talk about the rest of this. So how do they name – um, experimental hops and then how do they get their own name it's not like do they go through a database like hurricanes like how does that work <laughs> <laughs> um, actually I think it just really depends on the hop breeding program okay. um, typically like a lot of the more popular ones you'll see like HBC hop breeding uh, I forget what the actual last word is um, really putting myself on the spot there but um, <laughs> each individual company like Haas Hopsteiner those kind of things will typically have their own experimental varieties uh, floating around I think if I'm not mistaken the 472 uh turned into i'm not even gonna put myself into the bus there but eventually <laughs> these things the the certain numbers if they start growing traction uh they put them out loosely for a few years hmm. uh before developing and devoting massive acreage to that but um and then kind of get the feedback if it's great then they go all right cool so we might go from two acres up to 15 wow. and then we give it a cool name throw a brand around it so. I definitely want to now do a full episode on hops, if you don't mind, because yeah, that'd be awesome. There's just so much to it. <laughs> yeah, I think it'd be so really cool much. to find. Um, I don't know, maybe we'll reach out to a couple friends of ours in the industry too. Even you know, talk about hot breeding. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I mean, varieties. maybe yeah, you know, because there's just there's two hop yards just in Central Florida now. There's like Fox Valley, and then there's Central Florida hops. So yeah. we could definitely pull someone from there. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I think it'd be really cool. So yeah, we'll uh, right, we we'll definitely we'll got to explore that one. Um, but yeah, you good on beer? I'm good on beer. You're right up. You're ready to go. <laughs> All right. So I'm going to start with a little bit of a pre, uh, pre story here. Um, but yeah, we're getting into, you know, we kind of talked about you not knowing the name of this guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's funny too, cause I think we, we often know the names of certain notorious figures, um, mostly in the U S you mm-hmm. know, like Bundy, Dahmer, those kind of things. But you know, we often forget that other countries have people equally as terrifying, if not or more worse, so. Yeah. Oh, yeah, man. You have like Andre Chikatilo. Uh, um, I do associate Europe with actually having the worst. Okay. I, can see, well, they, <laughs> I don't think of America. They've got some pretty gruesome ones. Yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. Like, I, I know of like more modern day uh, United States stuff, but like, I feel like Europe's had some shit going on a lot longer. <laughs> yeah, we've covered a, a couple different people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
And this guy definitely hit my list as far as the what the fuckery toward the end is like, it's, it's just insane. So getting into it. Ready? Yep. On February 14th, 1991, the community of Vancouver's downtown east side rallied together for the first annual Women's Day Memorial March. The goal of this particular event was to increase awareness of a problem that had been plaguing Vancouver's east side district for nearly decades at that point, the disappearance of local sex workers and indigenous women. Between 1978 and 2001, at least 65 women were reported missing in the area, and that's only the ones that were reported. And due to a lack of attention from police, local sex workers were doing their best to take matters into their own hands. Many traveled down back roads in groups to avoid being easily seen. They'd even developed a buddy system of sorts to keep tabs on fellow workers. If it was an unspoken rule that if you saw someone get into a car for a job, you were to write down the make, model, and tag number of the car for reporting any later disappearances, which were often expected. God. On top of that, police were receiving an alarmingly large amount of reports from concerned family members who stated that they hadn't heard from their sisters, daughters, or loved one in years and sometimes decades. Lynn and Rick Frey were one such family. The Freys contacted local police after they hadn't heard from their daughter for a suspicious amount of time. They were told reportedly by police that their daughter had, quote, either skipped town or had just forgotten to call home, unquote. Their daughter, Marnie, had a habit of contacting her parents multiple times a week, and the last time she had spoke to them was on her birthday in 1997, and she was reported missing two weeks later. Police in the area were still receiving, or are still receiving scorn for how they handled the abundance of disappearances. And that's something that, like, if you want to, we can easily touch on a little bit later, too. Because as certain evidence and those kind of things come out, you start to go, how the fuck mm-hmm. did this happen for so fucking long without yeah. people realizing it or even taking initiative what on it, too? What year was this again? What's that? What year? It years? was so, you know, in some of the articles I read, they it's kind of hard to pinpoint exactly when some of these things started, but the big... Uh, epidemic i guess more or less of people disappearing mostly sex workers and indigenous women from the area was like 1978 all the way up to like the early 2000s oh wow almost. yeah damn um i was just wondering ballparking like 18 1900s you know what i mean I no don't and know this when. this okay. was such a thing to where like you know it's one thing when the police identify there's a problem everyone kind of gets a little concerned and usually when things like that happen police are going around being like hey keep an eye out for things report yeah. report any like suspicious activity it was almost the exact opposite in this situation to where like, people Shh. Yeah, people are literally disappearing, and they're like, nah, it's fine, whatever. Hmm. Um, Actually, second note that I had here was, like, police in the area, again, still receiving scorn for how they handle the abundance of disappearances. It seemed as though it was easier to write these cases off as overdoses and runaways, and it seemed even then that they didn't want to look at a more realistic angle that they had a potential serial killer in the area. Or they were involved, because that just seems, like, really shady. Well, and then that's something we can kind of go into in a little bit, too, with some more evidence, but, like... I wouldn't be surprised. Keep a keep an eye on that and bring it back up if, if you feel like it, it jumps in. Um, and a quick note, the one thing like I kind of put in my notes here too is, you know, I think we might have already touched on this before, but the sheer amount of people who have been away, able to get away with, you know, multiple murders, multiple violence or violent acts, um, things that should have been caught way before mm-hmm. they were ever actually put under any sort of microscope. Um, and all because their victims were either sex workers, homosexuals, um, yeah. what any what anybody was deeming as a minority race or anything mm-hmm. like that. All because it was just easy to be like, eh, it's just not our problem. Yeah. Let them figure it out. Um, which is a massive issue in this one story specifically. So, 
Vancouver sex workers had known that the possibility of a serial killer in their midst uh, was a possibility for some time now. And while there was no suspect or evidence pointing to what was happening to all the missing women, just about all of them had heard rumors of a filthy, run-down farm outside of town that people rarely came back from. I would start there. Yeah. (laughs) You would fucking think, wouldn't you? So that farm belonged to Robert Picton, Canada's most notorious serial killer. Have you heard the name before other than me talking about it? Nope. Uh, and again, it's one of those things where, like, when you hear this, you're gonna be like, "How the fuck did I not know about this yeah. guy?" Sorry, beer break. <laughs> Are you putting it away from you now? So, less oh no, tempted. I'm going back to it too. <laughs> this is more so for people like to really absorb the information. Uh, there's a small test now. A sex workers. B. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Robert Willie Picton was born in 1949 to a family of pig farmers in the town of Port Coquitlam. Coquitlam. Port Coquitlam. Say that. No. Okay. British Columbia. (laughs) It's fucking hard. It's like, obviously, I'm sure it's got its good roots and things like that. Coquitlam? Anyway, British Columbia. The Picton Farm was an impressively run operation until the passing of the parents left the farm in the hands of Willie and his brother David. Willie and his brother weren't exactly the most motivated type, and the farm quickly ran into disrepair. In an effort to draw funds, the Picton brothers uh, basically registered their, like a part of their property and built kind of like a bar kind of thing. So, you know, they were still tending to some of the pigs and such and still trying to draw in any sort of like revenue from that, but it became far less a priority. Um, but in, I think it was 1996, they registered a nonprofit charity. Right? And it was called the Piggy Palace Good Time Society. Oh, Jesus. Oh, yeah. Um, and they actually got it. Then this was to organize, manage, and operate special events, functions, dances, show or shows, and exhibitions on behalf of service organizations, sports organizations, and other worthy groups. Um, its events included raves and wild sex parties featuring Vancouver sex workers and gatherings in a converted slaughterhouse on the farm at 953 Dominion Was Avenue. it converted, though? Um, loosely. I saw photos. They at least repainted the walls and stuff, but, like, well, it was sounding from gross. where you're leaning into this, it sounded like they did. Yeah, these events uh, attracted as many as 2,000 people. Members of the Hells Angels were known to frequent, as well as many drug users and so forth. So, Makes sense. So it wasn't so much a charity as, uh, uh, let's see, <laughs> as I have here. The Piggy Palace Good Time Society, which I'm going to try to say as many times as possible, which would also be a good t-shirt, was basically a massive party with constant drug use and prostitution. It was essentially a giant playhouse for fuckery. One sign on property warned that the premises were, quote, guarded by pit bulls with AIDS. Oh my God. So it seems like a pleasant place. And I have a side note here. Have you ever heard of 24-7? Like... Like the band. Oh, no. Okay, neither have I, but they keep coming up as like, I can't believe they played there. However, huh. one other band popped up that may have played a show there, rumored so, um, and it may be more evidence as to why they are historically the worst band in the entire world. Do you know who I'm talking about? No, and I don't want to insult someone by guessing. <laughs> it's, it's Nickelback. It's okay. Shut the fuck up. No. Um, I couldn't find direct evidence, but there's a lot of people out. Like when I was searching up the oh Piggy Palace Good Times uh, or Good Times Society, one of them was like Nickelback. Right afterwards, I was like, "The fuck!" So you couldn't find any evidence because they were like, "Look at this photograph," and, and then, then they, just lit yeah. it on fire because they're like, "Fuck!" <laughs> oh, wow. that was good. I wish I had a better one. That was solid. 
Uh, okay, so Nickelback aside. I like beer break. <laughs> Nickelback, no! <laughs> Which has not been the first time that sentence has been said. It's mostly when they were like, and our opening act is... Sorry, Nickelback. I'm sure you guys are great people. Nickelback. If only you had a hero to save. Oh, fuck. That All was right. great. We're done railing on them. Sorry, guys. Okay. But, so, we have the Piggy Palace Good Time Society, which is fun to say. I'm going to keep doing it. Uh, giant party, giant fuck fest. It's disgusting. It's debaucherous. Um, but it also provided Picton with a great opportunity to pick and choose victims far more easily. So Picton himself uh, was known by many as a, quote, weird, slow, and filthy man. Which, you know, that doesn't make you a bad person, but if yeah. it's so much so to where people are noticing it, maybe take a class or something. Maybe yeah. take a bath. I don't know what to tell you. Yeah. But one of the most insane things about the man is that he was a multimillionaire by the time he was arrested. From the Piggy Palace? Or? Um, it's kind of hard to say. So the farm obviously wasn't making much money yeah. as it was in disrepair. Or disrepair. Um, Piggy Palace drew in some sort of revenue. Sure, yeah. uh, it's It was mostly off the book, so it's kind of hard to say. And as, as it was a charity license, they didn't have to pay a lot of taxes on it. So If any. It was actually, you know, not to give the guy credit, it was kind of smart to go that route. Oh, God, that, right? yeah. No, absolutely. So, uh, but um, the real estate that the property was on um, they had bought oh. that farm in 1963 for, you know, a couple, I think it was a, like, uh, in the thousands range, right? So, a uh, very small amount. It overnight, for some reason, uh, skyrocketed up towards like $1.5 million. Wow. Um, and then the government started buying small sections of it. They built like a school, they built a, like a, a playground, all that kind of stuff. Mm. Um, and it was estimated by some sources that I was looking into, and again, hard to find, uh, specific things but at the time of his arrest he his net worth was me- or like nearly five million dollars oh my god yeah so wow. he did not need to be doing any of the weird shit he was doing Damn. so yeah but that's why he was doing the weird shit but and that's the thing how though he could. when you look up all these photos of this place it's fucking disgusting it's not like it's a if you're picturing like a clean i was facility. not picture i was no. thinking a piece of shithole place that they just slapped a neon open sign in the window and said like Come pretty on much in. like yeah. everything i saw looked like it was straight out of like texas chainsaw mask that's actually yeah. what i was picturing so that's good <laughs> yeah so you know again he's, <laughs> I think he's they almost... renovated <laughs> <laughs> It's nearly, you know, a $5 million net worth, but despite all of that, his lifestyle was described as filthy, debaucherous, kind of what we just went over there. No. Picton still uh, worked the pig farm from time to time, but also lived alone in a single wide trailer uh, on the farm next to the Piggy Palace Good Time Society. <laughs> I'm going to keep doing it. We should put a little counter at the bottom. <laughs> Take a sip every time. Yeah. You guys will be shit. <laughs> you guys, yeah. You guys can make a drinking. Yeah. <laughs> I, why do I feel like Chris is going to do that? Oh, God, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so Piggy Palace, Good Time Society. That was another one for you. Uh, and while he had loads of capital and a massive party scene at his disposal, he still had a difficult time with women and often resorted to prostitutes for companionship. Makes sense. Now, getting into a long line of when he started killing and how is a long enough story for a show of on, on its own, but people began to notice that many of the women picked and hired had a penchant for disappearing. He even fell on the police's radar years before his capture. On March 22, 1997, a woman wildly flailed down a car near the Picton farm. She had suffered multiple stab wounds and was handcuffed. She had just finished escaping from Picton after he had tried to handcuff her against her will in his trailer. Grabbing a knife to defend herself, the two struggled over it until she was able to escape. 
Both of them, you know, basically uh, suffered serious stab wounds. She wound up in a surgery room at a local hospital, and Picton also sought out medical attention at the same hospital and had a lot of questions to answer when the staff found a key in his pocket that just so happened to unlock the handcuffs of this woman. Like, no shit. Exactly. Um, He was arrested but made bail because despite the woman's story lining up completely with everything, the case was dismissed because the court deemed her incompetent to stand trial, citing her drug use made her untrustworthy. So they literally like, nah, she's a druggie. Probably didn't happen. Oh, what? So she just hallucinated the handcuffs onto her wrist and the fucking key in his pocket? That's the fucking thing. So, like, <laughs> two things on that. I, I watched a tape of him of them talking about, like, when they finally bring him in later, right? So, spoiler alert, obviously. Uh, <laughs> but when they finally, like, they him down, they're like, what happened this time? Like, tell us about that whole thing. He's like, yeah, you know, she was a hitchhiker. She went crazy. She tried to stab me. And, yeah, I accidentally stabbed her back. I shouldn't have done that. That's on me. Uh, but yeah, she just kind of, you know, she's a druggie. She lost her mind. And the cops were like, yeah, druggies do that. Wow. Like, that's, it's insane. So keep in mind that that's happening. Two, if they had actually, when they did arrest him, if they had done any sort of investigation or investigatory work, um, later on they found the DNA of two other missing women on the jacket he was wearing at the time, too. So they could have been like, hey, dude, the fuck? And then been able to at least start unraveling some answers. But no. Sex workers in the police or in the Vancouver Police Department's mind are like, ew, gross, ew, get him away. So they basically just were like, eh, whatever. And she just kind of disappeared. Like, no one really knows what happened to her there. So it was around this same time that Bill Hiscox, a former employee of Picton, um, Piggy Palace, Good Time Society... Thank Not necessary here, but you were taking a sip. And I, I just got you to spit so on yourself. Close. I was so close. I dribbled, first of all. I was very close to taking a well, sip. Well, you didn't. Not, so I'm yeah. glad I waited. All right. So, uh, no, Bill Hiscox was a former employee of Picton. Uh, he came to the police with stories of disappearances. So he urges police. He's like, guys, like, I keep seeing women come here, go into his trailer, and then all of a sudden you guys have a fucking flyer on a wall. I'm just letting you know. Maybe you should go talk to Picton. They waited three and a half years. After oh that. my god! Yeah, beer break. I they, think that this is just making me progressively more mad, but yeah. that's also, I think, a decent response to that. <laughs> yeah, I think so too. So uh, they they started basically trying to investigate uh, more of the missing women because basically they're just getting pressure from the Vancouver uh, community. And now, large. how dare they? Yeah. Um, again, he urged uh, the police to do something. It wasn't until three and a half years later. And then they finally, once they started getting more pressure, decided to take... It wasn't even the sex workers. It wasn't people disappearing. They were like, oh, remember that one time that that one dude said that there was unregistered weapons on property over here? Oh, my God. We should go look for those. So as soon as that happens, the like basically the uh, the committee basically, like looking into missing women heard about this. And they're like, can we just tag along just to see if we can find anything? Just, just to yeah. poke around. You know what I mean? So, while police finally did find some weapons they were hoping for, they also found a myriad of damning evidence that would finally stop the disappearance of so many women. While searching the grounds, they begin to find a small bit of evidence pop up here and there. A handbag here, an asthma inhaler there, blood or bloody clothes in the garbage bags, a bucket containing a severed hand and head and oh, feet. Oh, only? Oh, yeah, just, just lying around. You know, the usual. Um... And sadly, uh, they did find the jawbone of the aforementioned Marnie Frey. Uh, and you said it was a pig farm, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Just keeping that in mind. No, thanks for that. Uh, it's going to get really weird. I bet. Um, <laughs> did want to put a side note in here real quick um, of some of the stuff that was found. You know, we kind of did the same thing in the Gein one. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was like, what the fuck? 
right? Yeah. Um, so the first thing that they found that was a little concerning was a loaded 22 revolver with, and this is from a site. I did not write this. I apologize if it's graphy or graphic. A loaded 22 revolver with a big, spiky, black Hindu-made dildo over the barrel and one round fired. So he shoved it up someone's ass and then fired the gun. Who knows? Um, uh, he well, li- pure assumption, but I'm pretty fucking sure. Why else would you put it? Well, I mean, why would you, period? But you're going to strap a dildo onto a gun, and then there's a bullet hole through it. What do you I'm think? glad you're trying to find logic in that. Because I mean, my first thought is, not- hey, dildo, hey, gun, not put them together. It's not like pineapple apple pen or no, some it, bullshit. it doesn't make sense, but that's just clearly where your brain goes. So... Again, I love the weird fucked up mindset of like some serial killers where, you know, we hear that. And we're like, oh, you're fucking weird. And you shot somebody in some sort of hole. What the hell's wrong with you? Um, he goes, yeah, no. Yeah, that's on there. Totally get that's on there. You're not wrong. Look, he flops it around. It's totally on here. It's a silencer, guys. Oh, Jesus Christ. Like, what, what's the problem? One quick note. I hate. It is one of my biggest pet peeves. They're called suppressors because you can't silence a firearm. You can only suppress sound in a firearm. But anyway. Well, maybe in Canada, that's what they call dildos. <laughs> it's a suppress a silencer. <laughs> <laughs> and I know we've at least offended three people who listen in Canada. Touche. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Um, <laughs> fuck. Uh, so they so they find that right. Uh, they also find a uh, box like uh, 357 Magnum handgun with ammunition, night vision goggles, creepy, uh, two pairs of faux fur lined handcuffs. I mean, this is showing, this is also dating, you know? I mean, that's mm-hmm. like this, that's how like fucking recent this is. Like, night vision's a thing. Like, this yeah. just sounds like something that happened during like Jean's time. Yeah. You know? And like, again, like, it this really wasn't does. all found until like the early 2000s. That's so yeah, insane. So it's not like, yeah. Um, so they found all that. They the one of the ones that like kind of spoke out to me was they found a syringe with three milliliters of blue liquid inside, and then they also found like Spanish fly. That again, he's trying to be all like Rico Suave or some shit on hmm. some of these uh, these prostitutes. So um, as evidence started to surmount, Picton was finally arrested and charged with multiple murders. Uh, it started with two, and then seven, and then fifteen, and then twenty-seven. So. That's what they initially settled on because they found body parts of 27 different victims on the farm. All female? All female. And that's all they found. Like, you know it's probably fucking like three times the amount. So, it's funny you say that. Um, <laughs> while this is an unsettling victim count, did we practice this? Because this is great. You guys, you're giving me great uh, segues here. Segway. Um, Piggy Palace, good time society. Drink. <laughs> No, but while this is an unsettling victim count, what's perhaps even scarier is that Picton himself admitted to an undercover agent whom he thought at the time was a fellow prison mate. Uh, <laughs> I love that shit. I really idiot. do. Yeah. yeah I, I like the fact he's probably wearing a wire, has a giant mustache, and is wearing a royal mounted Canadian police hat. And just like, no, oh, tell me about it, man. It's fine. Okay. So he admitted that, yes, he was being charged with 27, but he had in fact killed 49 and his biggest complaint was that he didn't he get, didn't to get a, 50. Yeah, he didn't get to a clean 50 because he, uh, he quote unquote, got sloppy. Um, so we have charging of 27 people. He's admitted to an undercover agent that he's done 49 wow. at least. 
Now we know that there is like roughly 61 that disappeared from that area. So that's making that's up. That's pretty much them. I mean, that's, that's pretty them. much them. Yeah. You I mean, they should assume that every single person who has ever gone missing during this guy's lifetime is because of him. Yeah. Um, so they, they find all this evidence. And, and the one thing I wanted to point out too is finding all the evidence was no small feat. Um, it took a massive team to sift through like literally tons of dirt, garbage, and pig excrement to find body parts. I mean, that's a lot of land too. That's like the he thing. could go to the other side of the property and mm-hmm. like start from there. They worked around the clock for months, employing wow. the use of massive conveyor belts, um, 24-7, and they, they even hired a local or local anthropologist. Because you got to remember, too, you're not just finding human body parts. You're finding pig bones. You're Animals, finding all yeah. these different viscera, all these different kind of things. So hopefully the local the police department was still not in charge of this investigation. I hope it went a little higher scale than that. I don't know, man. All I know is that... Um, like, I hope federally this got involved because they just... They should have that entire department just wiped clean. And then, on, like, one thing... Excuse me. One thing, too... Um, that is really worth going into if you are interested in this case is a lot of the different articles I found, you know, half of it is what he did, victim count, those kind of things, which mm-hmm. is mostly what we cover, right? Yeah. Um, but another large portion of it too is, you know, what happened with the trial? Like, yeah. That's a lot of people. Um, and, then, and then, you know, I'm just going to throw that out there or this out there. Unfortunately, he was only really convicted of seven of them. What? Yeah. So... I mean, to, all you need is one or two to get a life sentence, but that's not the fucking point. It's not, that's what always gets me mad about, even remember with Gene, they didn't charge him for the one murder. Mm-hmm. Remember, you know, so it's like, that's no, just they, closure for families and that's just insane. So they left 20 off the table. The reasoning God. was, um, one, they didn't want to submit the families to just all this graphic nonsense, knowing that- oh, fuck. Off. Yeah, no, I agree. And but they also they were like, oh, we know on seven we can have them for a long amount of time. Um, two, they didn't want to waste a lot of money on it because they were already at 116 millions for investigation and cases and those kind of things. Oh, which they should have dug faster if that meant saving some fucking get points more for the tr- for the trial. I mean, yeah, <laughs> that's um, infuriating. There's that, and then also, um, yeah, they was they basically said that the seven was enough to put him away for almost the rest of his life, yeah. but. After one of the the articles I looked up basically said that if he's been a good boy, um, he wasn't. He was given the possibility of parole. He's roughly seventy one right yeah. now. Yeah. Um. He can make it out by twenty twenty seven. I will throw the fuck up. There is no okay. way. All right. Um. Yeah. That's just that's fucking. <laughs> wow. Insane. Okay. All right. Well, that'll be like that'll be gross. And we'll clean it up. But justified. No, absolutely <laughs> I think justified. That's a justified. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, wow. there's there's a good Jeez, chance that because of Louise. that oversight that he could potentially I mean, granted, he's gonna be fucking what? Uh he's seventy one now, seventy eight years old. I'm um, gonna shit. No, but still, like you shouldn't be able to see the light of day he after doing something like been, that. I know plenty of seventy year olds who still compete in like physique competitions. Like yeah. he could have been lifting and taking care of himself the last umpteen years and could come out still a very dangerous person. You could be dangerous in 90. I don't give a shit. That's true. Um, that reminds me of that old Louis C.K. bit where he talks about like, you know, at certain ages, you should just be able to get away with certain crimes. Like, if you at 90 can kill another human with your bare hands, you're good. You should have been able to fight that one off. <laughs> it's actually funny. Uh, back in high school, I had a French teacher 
hello, Mademoiselle Frey. And uh, we still Angel. keep in contact and everything. And she, uh, on my graduation day, I've, you guys don't know, I was going to school to be a police officer. And so I, you know, she knew that pretty much my whole life. She was also friends with my mom. So she told me that um, if I become a cop, that when she turns 90, that she is going to commit like a fucked up crime in front of me just so I could be her arresting officer because she thought it'd be very funny. That's actually really sweet. So it's like ninety, like yeah. she's so just like, like someone I'm, out there's about to get thinking fucked up. About like That's doing really a crime. Anyway, total side story, but. I still think that 100-year-olds can still murder someone. So that's very, very uneasy feeling, knowing that there's a possibility he could get paroled. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. and if you're out there and you know a 100-year-old, fucking keep an eye on them. Like, <laughs> they've been waiting a long time to get you right where they want you. I mean, 7 verse 60-something. Mm-hmm. Like, that leaves a pit in my stomach, yeah. knowing that there's that many women whose legit murders were not solved then. Because mm-hmm. me solving means like you know who it is and they pretty much they they suffer their consequences. Yeah. That's why there's solved and unsolved fucking murders, you know? So the fact that there's that many families that I mean, because that's not even that long ago. They're still alive. So you're actually making me feel really bad about going into the rest of this. Oh god. Because <laughs> um, this is all like what might have happened to them. Good. Mm. <laughs> Now, while we know that there's a huge pile of evidence that led to the death of at least 27 women, one thing that wasn't readily available in the research was how he technically committed the crimes, right? Okay. Secondhand accounts, however, lead to a pretty gnarly series of events. He wasn't just a one-trick pony. Uh, kind of went through a different, uh, bunch of different avenues, right? You were, you told me to keep in mind the pig, so I, I thought we were oh, almost yeah. done. Oh, no. <laughs> we're not. So... One account stated that Pickton casually described to a friend that killing a hooker was super easy, um, especially if she's a heroin addict, right? All you had to do was uh, basically shoot her with a syringe full of windshield cleaner, hence the three... The blue. The blue. Oh, my God. Um, Strangle her, bleed her, and gut her out, and then feed her to the pigs. Yeah. Yeah, that'll do it. I guess that'll do it, pig. It's also... (laughs) What's that? That'll do, pig. That'll, remember the movie Babe? Oh, this that was funny until we we're explaining it. <laughs> do you think he did that once though? What? The book had to have been out by then. Oh my god, Chris, don't I, talk about Babe like that. Don't talk about Babe like that. I'm worried about the victims, and you're just like, don't I'm talk not, about the I'm cartoon. I'm so worried pain. about the victims. I just made a really <laughs> poor joke. Okay, that's fine. Poor. Uh, so yeah, um, another one suspected that uh, they did. According to some of the secondhand accounts, find DNA in a wood chipper uh, to kind of use to render down to basically basically make buckets of people or more or less. Yep. Um. There. Okay. Oh, man, this one is way the, to make mulch. This is the bad one. Okay. There's also good evidence to show that Picton also included human remains when taking trips to the local rendering plant. Um, at the plant, they would routinely repurpose the bones, ligaments, fat, and viscera of livestock. Uh, to make hundreds of types of consumable products, right? So, which would mean that if human remains found their way there, they could have potentially found themselves of anything that makes up uh, anything that we consume. I feel like medicine and a lot of stuff medicine, gets made dog from, food, yeah. hot dogs, cosmetics, anything. So, you're telling me that in this day and age, they weren't testing for, like, specific DNAs and stuff just in case? Like, I mean, why would you? Why it's wouldn't so, you? If well, okay. you are, if you, if you have someone coming in with just a heap of 
dead animal parts and stuff, whatever. It's just the day, though. And then they're like, oh, this is all pigs. You should definitely just turn this into some hot dogs. We're fine. Like, you're telling me as, like, a, co- a corporation, you're not going to run a test maybe once every, like, couple weeks. Like, okay. you guys you guys will weigh a beer off the line every couple run, you know, every, yeah, but like, but what about 20- the one where, like, a fingernail gets in it? <laughs> <laughs> then you find the finger. You Whatever. By the way, that hasn't happened. We don't put <laughs> fingernails in our beer. I was told that's unethical. So, yeah, we stopped. No, um, no, but I, I get that. But also from a you cost analysis I mean? perspective, too, like, you know, I could see why, you know, that's like the one job you have. Maybe like, once a day you do a up. test or something. But then at the, the same time, then Picton comes in at nine and fucking Joe Bob comes in at 11. They they do Joe Bob's. So do a test on each person's stuff that they Maybe bring in. Maybe do it on the I know, fucking this is, dirty motherfucker who keeps bringing in <laughs> random gross parts. It's not like he looked like a law-abiding citizen. I'm sorry. If you're a multimillionaire <laughs> and you look like this dipshit, I'm going to be like, yo, what the Something's fuck are you up. doing? Yes. Anyway, so, so theoretically, people could have made it into a rendering plant. Oh, right? they so did. Now, that here's another one, though. Lastly... Um, human meat was identified in some sausage found at the Picton's property. So he's eating them. Um, and while it may have never made it to a grocery store shelf, Picton often provided for meals at every party at the Piggy Palace Good Times Society. So drink, and everybody was eating these people then. Yeah, there's a good possibility. Um, to the extent too, to where he used to often basically hand out free meat to friends and family and all that stuff. So to just to keep it of the realm of possibility, we'll say like 99.9% sure. I'm willing to bet that someone out there has either eaten a human hot dog. Um, no, that's and probably Nickelback, honestly. Uh, Chad, what's his face? I think that's his name, right? It's Chad. Yeah. yeah uh, no, look at that photograph. It's just disgusting. Yeah. Oh, man. And that basically surmises the tale of Robert Picton. Wow. Didn't the Pictons even invent something in history? Uh, feeding humans to pigs? Besides that, I think the last name was before this, <laughs> known for good, but now I'm scarred for life. So thank you. Yeah, and now I don't think I can have a hot dog or. Yeah, I probably won't be eating any hot dogs anytime soon. Look at a soon. grungy fellow the same. <laughs> so, uh, like, if, uh, again, I kind of like the idea of mentally associating what people look like with, you know, obviously who we're talking about. Um, if you've ever seen Silence of the Lambs, I know we talked mm-hmm. about the same character before, Buffalo Bill. Yeah. Looks, imagine him mixed with the uh, strong hand dude from Scary oh Story. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, dude, it's so gnarly. But, yeah, um, that's him. <laughs> strong hand guy. Uh, watch your hot dogs. Keep an eye out on those hundred-year-olds in your life. And, um, yeah, I don't know. He might be out. Remember, like fucking... age is just a number. It's just guys. a number. It's just a number. Three milliliters of one-chill wiper fluid are just enough to get anybody. I mean, even someone could hobble over with a cane. And if you're not paying attention, like, <laughs> syringe in the neck, you yeah. know? That can happen at any point. <laughs> He's right behind you. <laughs> yeah, wow. that's all I got for that one. I just can't believe how recent that happened. So that was uh, that was a goodie. Forty nine. That that's insane. That was a good one, Chris. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. All right. So that's all I got. Um, huge thanks to Wild Leap for <laughs> involuntarily being a part of a really gross episode. Uh, their beer's great. Check them out. <laughs> it's so good. It'll make you forget about that hot it's dog you ate. Really good. <laughs> <laughs> That'll do, Pig. That'll, That'll do. That'll do.
So, uh, anything you want to plug for this week? Uh, no, actually, I don't think I have anything. Uh, this is coming out next week. No, tomorrow. Tomorrow. <laughs> tomorrow. Oh, okay. Yeah. Tomorrow. So. Where are we? Pop-ups for the Pine Size Shop will be happening this weekend. So follow that page and I'll tell you where I will be. Um, comes out Wednesday. So today I will be at Commission Beer Chamber um, pretty much for the whole night. So. Yeah. Go check come, them out. Hang out. Get some dog treats. I use the spent grain from Brewery. Beer, so from beer, <laughs> uh, yeah, and we we treat it pretty good, you know. I mean, they treat it, I yeah, we treat it all right. It's like award-winning grain. No, just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, other than that, nope. I think that should do it. Um, if you are in the Orlando area, please uh, start following ORL Beer Week. Um, on Instagram, Facebook, um, a lot of really cool events are starting to pop up on there. I know yeah. we've been gearing up a lot for what we're planning on doing, so we're super stoked. You guys have some really cool stuff. No, I'm, I'm, I'm stoked, really excited man. for what you're doing. You're really one of the only breweries, not putting anyone on the spot, but you're one of the only breweries that I've seen uh, actually doing a lot of planning and posting that you're planning, so that's super, super cool. Um, hope to see a lot more breweries following suit and participating because why not? So no, I know a lot of them will. Um, yeah, Ivan who usually does a great job. Oh, yeah. Sideways I just doing... would like people want to know ahead of time, you know. Yeah. Um, so yeah, if you're a brewery, get at us. Uh, <laughs> but if you're not a brewery and you like to drink the beer from the breweries, go check out that uh, just to get up to date on everything there. And then lastly, uh, make sure you always follow Sticker Wolf because uh, they do some dope stuff. We just we keep getting our labels from them. Um, he's been killing it with yeah. some different formats that we've been working on. And, um, yeah, he's just an all-around cool dude. If you want our stickers, follow the link in our bio and get you some. Do it. Do it now. Do it. Um, so the one thing they didn't find uh, at the rendering plant, they had, like, they had one jawbone, they had three ligaments, and they did not find no. the... tell me they didn't find the toodles. Are you fucking kidding me? Fucking they, Canadians. They didn't find the toodles? God damn it, those guys. All right. Ugh. Let's go look for it. <laughs> Dead. Dead. Dead.